Today on Cross Defense, we're talking about contraception. It's part of the conversation being had in the public square of American life, and it came up in the national debate between Governors Newsom and DeSantis. What was said, and what do we have to say about it? All that's coming up right now on Cross Defense. Sally writes, Dear Pastor Bramwell, in light of your programs about the theater, what are your thoughts on showing excerpts from The Chosen series, written and directed by Jerry Jenkins' son, in a Lutheran service, and then preaching on the excerpts? I've not watched the series because I didn't want to mix biblical accounts with superfluous information. God's blessings on your ministry and cross-defense. My husband and I never miss a program. Stick around, my friends, till the end of the show. To find out my reply to Sally, and thank you, Sally, for writing in. Welcome, everyone, to Cross Defense. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, all with God's Word. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, a pastor, obviously, if the title Reverend didn't give it away. (laughs) I'm also an author of a number of books, and I own a brick-and-mortar bookstore, if you didn't know, with my wife, who does all the work. She's awesome. And I have a YouTube channel where I post a variety of videos, which I mention because as we round out 2023 and move into 2024, a number of changes are coming to the channel that you Cross Defense listeners might be interested in. You can check things out at youtube.com slash Tyrell Bramwell for more on that. And regardless, nevertheless, If during the course of the show you want to send in your comments, your questions, or your bits of biblical brilliance, you can do so by going to, and and listen here, here, here we have a new address for you, my friends, my longtime listeners. It's not what you're expecting me to say. Are you ready? The new address is tyrellbramwell.com slash contact. That's right, tyrellbramwell.com. My longstanding web presence is coming back to life, Uh, tyrellbramwell.com slash contact. That's where you can send in your contact and your, your questions, your comments, and your bits of biblical, biblical brilliance. Uh, easy for me to say going forward. The links to my YouTube channel and my contact page are in the show notes. And I'd love to hear from you, so please make use of them. Contraception is today's topic. Did you know that in documenting his sexually immoral lifestyle, In his memoirs from 1725 to 1798, Casanova detailed having a woman use the rind of a lemon slice as a cervical cap to prevent pregnancy. Did you know that? True story. And you thought free love started in the 1960s, didn't you? That's simply when the wholesale acceptance of sexual sin began to be accepted in our modern Western, previously Christian culture. That little factoid about Casanova will not only hopefully prevent you from ever calling some lover boy in your family a Casanova or something, thinking it's this endearing little title, it's actually disgusting, but that whole factoid is disgusting. It also makes me think of what the evolutionary biologist Julian Huxley, yes, brother of the famed Aldous Huxley, said on the Merv Griffin show when asked, Why do people believe in evolution? Julian Huxley said the quiet part out loud. 
The reason we accepted Darwinism, even without proof, and I'm quoting here, the reason we accepted Darwinism, even without proof, is because we didn't want God to interfere with our sexual mores. Let me say that again. Julian Huxley, a famed, well-reputed evolutionary biologist, was asked, why do people believe in evolution? And his answer, the reason we accepted Darwinism, even without proof, is because we didn't want God to interfere with our sexual mores. We didn't want God to take away our fun. It's all about bumping uglies, guys, outside of God's will. Sinning and not feeling guilty about it. Sex outside of marriage and sex however we want it. Friends, I decided we needed to talk about birth control contraception after watching highlights of the debate that took place between Governors DeSantis and Newsom. On November 30th, 2023, was it? Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and Governor Gavin Newsom of California went head-to-head in a debate moderated by Sean Hannity on Fox News, if you missed it. Because of the recording schedule here at KFUO, last week's show was already in the in the box there. It was always, already wrapped up in the hopper. Otherwise, I would have spoken about this last Saturday. The news cycle moves fast, so this might be a little bit of old news for you. But I want to address some things that were said in the debate from, of course, the Christian perspective, as we do here. Because you should be thinking about these things First and foremost, always, as the Christian you are. There is no part of our life that is out of bounds or off limits from the Christian worldview. Our submission to Scripture as that which norms our life is complete, meaning it is for every single part of our lives. What was really interesting about the debate is that it was presented, and I think it was presented rightly, as the two major cross-sections of America. It wasn't so much about DeSantis and Newsom, but about left and right, about red versus blue, Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus progressive. They just happened to be the mouthpieces, the front men, the quintessential representation of the two sides. Now, at the beginning of the debate, Sean Hannity, he put up a screen that displayed the issues at hand. What were they? On the screen were taxes, the economy, immigration, crime, guns, homelessness, education, parental rights, abortion, and gas prices. And as they talked about all these things, all kinds of scriptural handles emerged for the Christian to grab onto and to think about. Today, we're focusing on one of them. We're grabbing onto one of them, the contraception topic. Okay, so let's get into this by listening to Governor Newsom's opening statement. This is what he had to say. Yeah, I think it's important to the folks watching. They're probably wondering, what 
are we actually doing here? And, and, and I want to answer that very directly. I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm, I'm here uh, to tell the truth about the Biden-Harris record and also compare and contrast Ron DeSantis's record and the Republican Party's record as a point of contrast that's as different as daylight and darkness. You want to bring us back to a pre-1960s world, America in reverse. Uh, you want to roll back hard-earned national rights on voting rights, on civil rights, on LGBTQ rights, on women's rights, not just access to abortion, but also access to contraception. You want to weaponize grievance. You are focusing on false separateness. You in particular, Ron, are on a banning binge, a cultural purge, intimidating and humiliating people you disagree with. You and President Trump are really trying to light democracy on fire. Friends, this is a very telling statement for every Christian who's paying attention. Firstly, because Governor Newsom is right. There is a contrast between the left and the right in America that is as different as daylight and darkness, which you know is imagery that comes from Scripture, right? You know that, right? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 12, 35 and 36 as well. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. We could also go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 and following as well. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. And then Paul goes on to tell us about sins that happen at night under the cover of darkness. Or how about Acts 26, 18? Paul is recounting his conversion story. And what does he say? He was sent by Christ to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's the contrast. What is satanic and what is godly? We could keep going with numerous more passages from Scripture, but you get the point. Governor Newsom invoked biblical imagery to describe the contrast between the Democrat and Republican parties. And he likes to use biblical terms. He does, just like he did on his abortion billboards. I don't know if you remember those. We talked about them here on this show. Need an abortion, he asked. California's ready to help. And then in smaller print was Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the dude had the audacity, still blows me away, had the audacity to quote Jesus in support of the murder of children by their mothers. That's more disgusting than Casanova's use of lemons. Far more disgusting. 
But is it true that the difference between Republicans and Democrats in America today is as decided as daylight is from darkness? Is, is it true? Is the difference between the two major groups of political views in this country that, that, that is that stark? What did he say immediately after that? He provides his reasoning in the statement, at least in summary, if not in detail. The Republicans, he says, want to bring us back to a pre-1960s world. And that pre-1960s world is to be taken to mean a world where homosexuality was not accepted as something to be proud of, but was, yes, shocker of all shockers, illegal. <laughs> illegal. Illinois was the first state in the union to decriminalize sodomy. Do you know when that happened? 1961, friends. 1961. There was a time in this country where we actually openly, publicly recognized that homosexual acts were crimes against nature. And when using the language of our founding documents, therefore, we acknowledged that they were crimes against nature's God. And in that same time period, we acknowledged cross-dressing and, and wanting to chop off your body parts to fit a delusion in your head as an illness of the mind that needed treatment, not affirmation. Every Christian, every single one of you, should be willing to say yes, Governor Newsom, when it comes to the LGBTQ issues, I desperately want a pre-1960s America. I want an America like the one we had, which on this issue was more in line with scriptural principles. And I want that America precisely because it was God-pleasing, and I'm not ashamed of that. Aligning with what pleases God is the wisest course of action. As history has shown repeatedly, if indeed we want a prosperous, peaceful, healthy country, aligning with nature's God instead of opposing him, it is the most prudent move we have if we want our neighbors to be served well. Governor DeSantis he brought a page from the book called, uh, what was it called, Qu Gender Queer. And he showed it to the camera when he talked about the role of education and parental rights. L listen here to what he had to say. The role of the school is to educate kids, not indoctrinate kids. It's not to impose an agenda. It's to do the basics. And what we've said in Florida is it's inappropriate to tell a kindergartner uh, that their gender is a choice. It's inappropriate to tell a second grader that they may have been born in the wrong body. Now, California has that. Uh, they want to have that injected into the elementary school. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have a seven, five and a three year old. Uh, we don't think that that's appropriate. And I know most parents do not think it's appropriate. Uh, it's also important to respect parental rights to know what curriculum is being used in the classroom, and everything should be age appropriate. I actually have something that I brought that some parents have objected to. So this is a book that's in some of the schools in California. Florida, this is not consistent with our standards, called Gender Queer. I, it's, some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children, uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools. 
uh, when people like on the left say that somehow you're banning books by removing this from a young kid's classroom. No, this is not age appropriate. And so we're going to stand for the rights of parents. I think we need to do that nationwide. I don't think you can have a situation where some states just trample on the rights of parents. Parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing of their kids. Amen. That's the Christian teaching, isn't it? Whose job is it to raise your children? Yours. The parents of the children. That's whose job it is. A political party that advocates for keeping parents in the dark with respect to what their children are learning is out of step with God's word. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. All other political factors aside, that puts the Democratic Party at odds with God in a very distinct way. What does Proverbs 23:22 say, my friend? Does it say, listen to your public school teacher who didn't give you life and despise your mother? No, it says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she's old. Your parents have the place of honor. Proverbs 15, 20 as well. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Let's take a break right there. When we come back, we got one more clip before we continue with our conversation. We're going to get into a wonderful book called The Ethics of Sex after we get done setting this up. So don't go away. You're listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Cross Defense. We do well. You do well, parents. You do well to ask, what are Democrat policies when it comes to education and parental rights? What are Republican policies? What are these guys saying about the role and relationship I have with my child? Does it align with God? That's how far into our lives the government has stepped these days. We are now considering theological questions through and through when we go to cast our vote. Do they support the parents or are they working to undermine them? The latter, quite obviously, is what the Democrat Party is building its platform on. And this this point was addressed by both governors, actually during the debate here, have a listen. Let me just say something about parents' rights because he says California respects parents' rights. This is rich. He's been telling a lot of whoppers tonight. This may be the biggest. In California, if you're a parent in Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina, your minor child can go to California without your knowledge or without your consent and get hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and a sex change operation all without you knowing or consenting. How in the heck is that 
well, you know what? honoring parents' rights when you're bringing people from out of state to go around their parents' backs and getting life-altering surgeries. That is radical. That you know, is Ron, extreme. These kids that is an assault on live. parents' rights. You know what? Ron, it's not for is, you to decide. These, it's for the what? parents to it's decide. The, you know what? And the these parents do not want their to kids survive. going I to these other honestly. things. So Governor Newsom didn't deny that California is a sanctuary state for minors who want to undergo life-altering chemical and surgical procedures behind their parents' backs. He didn't deny that. What did he say? These kids just want to live, Ron, or something like that, right? They, they just want to live. Governor DeSantis responded to that by saying that it's not for Governor Newsom to decide, but rather it's for the parents to decide. That's biblical reasoning right there, friend. That's the doctrine of vocation in action. That's understanding who is accountable for what, whose lane is, who's in whose lane, so to speak. And the government is far outside of its lane and is encroaching upon what is rightly the realm of father and mother. And what does Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's right for children to be taught to obey their parents, not to travel across state lines to disobey their parents, not to do anything against their parents' back. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What on earth is, is going on with any political party that would go against Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, that would go against this wisdom that, that declares to bless those who obey father and mother, that it will benefit them, it behooves them to listen to their parents. Interestingly, this, this post-1960s world where Big Pharma produces commercials for HIV drugs like it's nothing more than a headache an aspirin can solve, thank you, sodomy, has led to a world where politicians have no problem standing on a national stage and admitting that they are actively working to undermine the vocation of fathers and mothers. This is a big deal, guys, because Governor Newsom was elected. Enough voters in California are okay with his anti-Christian understanding of the authority of government and the God-ordained vocations of parents. That's a really sad telling of what's going on in at least the electorate of California, the voters of California. But it's also, as this debate being televised is indicative of, it's also telling of what's going on among Christians in America who are voting for the Democrat, the Democratic Party when they are espousing this kind of anti-biblical teaching. Now, let me say this too. Were there some major problems 
in the pre-1960s America? Absolutely. Namely, with segregation, right? Absolutely there was. The injustices of the past are real, and I'm in no way suggesting that life was perfect in the days of sock hops and soda shops. But we can, at the very same time, recognize that segregation of races was an evil, while the outlawing of sodomy was not. The sleight of hand here has been to include homosexual complaints in the realm of civil rights. No. That's not accurate. That's not true. The LGBTQ have hitched their their wagon to the horse of civil rights, and they're getting traction from that. They've already gotten, bad grammar, traction from that. No Christian wants a racist America. But we all want an America where Thrivent Financial would never think it was God-pleasing to support the complete assault on God that the LGBTQ movement is waging, for an example. And we can reverse course, we can reverse course on the one issue without reversing course on the other. And likewise, coming back to our main topic for today, we see a day and night contrast between Republicans and Democrats on the topic of abortion, which we should always remember is more than just a topic. All of these issues that we're dealing with in our day and age today, they're all more than just academic discussions or political discussions about hypotheticals. They all involve real people. Abortion is the real murder of real children by permission of their real mothers. A straight answer was hard to get from Gavin or Newsom during the debate, as you heard. But what we're hearing more and more of in the, in the abortion debate is how conservatives want to restrict access not only to abortion, but also to contraception. And it's said like it's a horror. They want to take away our rights to contraception. What monsters! Well, yeah, put me in the monster camp then. Pastor Bramwell, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, monster. The access to contraception is an evil that is plaguing our neighbors in many nuanced ways that could all be remedied if just the Christians, not everyone, just the Christians acted like they believed that sex was reserved for marriage by God's design. If we all rejected the evil of evolutionary thought and stopped acting like God wasn't real, just so he would say out of our our sexual mores, as Julian Huxley put it, we could turn this whole ship around. Guys, I don't know, what do you know about contraception? Do you know that this supposed constitutional right didn't exist until 1965? Do you know that the word itself, contraception, didn't even exist before the 1960s? 
Now, Donna J. Harrison, a physician board certified in obstetrics and gynecology for 30 years, writes in Ethics of Sex, a wonderful book edited by Reverend Gifford Grobean. She says, contraception, contraception is a term coined in the 1960s for drugs, devices, and surgeries that prevent a sexually active woman from obtaining a positive pregnancy test at the end of her cycle. The term was designed to be the opposite of conception. So you have conception and you have contraception. That's enough, isn't it? <laughs> In a very real but simple way, that's all we need to know, isn't it? Contraception, birth control, is not merely birth control, but birth prevention. And those drugs, devices, and surgeries that operate contrary, contra, to conception exist solely to mitigate the natural consequences of sexual activity. Well, friends, at the risk of being rude, crude, and socially unacceptable, if you don't want to score the points, <laughs> don't play the game. If you don't want to make a cake, you have no business putting a pan in the oven. Indeed, it's that simple. Now, I thoroughly appreciate what Reverend Stuckwish wrote about marriage in this same book, Ethics of Sex, from Concordia Publishing House. Pick up a copy. The question of contraception, he says, has been made much more difficult by rampant confusion over marriage itself. At the same time, developments in contraception and birth control have, for their part, contributed to this confusion, especially by serving and supporting the separation of marriage, sex, and procreation in societal thinking and practice. Everything, to summarize, has come undone. The way these things are supposed to interact is completely frayed. Everything has been shredded apart. He continues by defining marriage, and then he says about sex, now pay attention to this, my friend, pay attention here. It's also in this conjugal union of the man and his wife that the Lord our God, who is alone the author and giver of life, conceives children where and when it pleases him. It's much the same as the way that God obtains the saving faith where and when it pleases him in those who hear the gospel. Oh, that's awesome. Men and women are not given the decision, really, whether or when to have children. To say it bluntly, he says, men and women do not make babies. God makes babies. Men and women are not able to create new life, nor is it within their power or prerogative to choose conception. What men and women are given to do is love each other, also bodily, in conjugal union within their marriage, and to leave the creation of new life to God. So well said. Thank you. Thank you. And I especially appreciate his connection to the hearing of the gospel, that he made that connection. 
What did Pastor Stuckwich say? It is much the same as the way that God obtains the saving faith where and when it pleases him in those who hear the gospel. It's Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. That's what comes to my mind first and foremost. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God is in charge of bringing forth life in all realms all arenas. How about connecting the new life of a baby with the preaching of the word of God in Romans 10, 14? How's that look? How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? <laughs> God does the work through the means he establishes. In our pre-1960s culture, the Christian understanding that God was the author of life yet remained in the minds of Christians. Psalm 139, 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Today, <laughs> today we have so-called Christians led by their woke ministers who think they're doing God's work when they stand up for a woman's right to choose what happens in her womb. False. There is no pro-life, pro-choice debate here. God makes babies. Women, your right to choose, same with men, same with doctors, anybody on this side of pro-choice, the right to choose ends when a woman lets Casanova inside her. What kind of modern lemon rind she uses to play God, that's not part of the choice. All right, well, <laughs> on that happy note, let's take a break. We'll come back for our third and final segment. Give you guys time to uh, hit the keyboard and send in all your comments or questions and uh, maybe your hate mail. So, all right, we'll talk to you in just a minute. Thanks for tuning in to Cross the Fence. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome. 
welcome back to Cross Defense, and maybe you're going to want to hit the delete key, so don't quite send in your angry emails just yet after you hear this next segment where we go back to Reverend Stuckwish, okay? Because of the reality, dear friends, of our Huxleyan culture, Julian as much as Aldous, the good pastor Stuckwich, though he makes a distinction between birth control and con contraception that I want to further study before I uh, agree with, he is adamant to be heard clearly when he says, although circumstances may sometimes suggest that it would be wise to avoid the likelihood of conception, contraception is not the rule, but the exception. Contraception is not the rule, but the exception. This point, he says, absolutely needs to be made and emphasized clearly. Why? Because the mindset over the past 50 years or more has been turned utterly and completely around, which is what motivates my strong words on this that may have prompted you to disagree and grumble against me. But it's precisely because of the culture we're in and the, the spiritual fight we're in that I am choosing to take such a strong stance on different things. And so I appreciate nuance, absolutely, and there is room for it when it is rightly understood. And we need to rightly understand that over the past 50 years or more, as Pastor Stuckwich says, the concept has been completely and utterly turned around. And here's what he goes on to say more. Even in the thinking and conversation of many Christians, the basic idea is that couples are going to use contraception. It's like a given. That they're going to avoid children until such and such a time. Or else deliberately space their children apart as though this sort of choice and control were the norm, the standard. Hence, if a couple's not using contraception, it's supposed that they have made a conscious choice and are actively, quote, trying to have children. It should be obvious, he says, that this language of, quote, trying when it comes to having children is nothing else than the flip side of the pro-choice rhetoric so prevalent in the ideology of abortion activists. Hmm. Really good insight. He continues, for husbands and wives with a larger than average number of children, there are likely to be questions and comments from others, both friends and strangers alike, as to why they're seeking and trying to have so many. It would be better to assume that the man and his wife are simply living in love for each other cleaving to each other faithfully within their marriage, engaging in normal marital relations, and welcoming whatever children the Lord entrusts to their care within their vocations and stations in life. They will be nervous and afraid, hard-pressed and weary within and without, yet persisting in the joyful confidence of faith and in love for God, for each other, and for each and all of their children. 
Do you hear the message, friend? Faith lived out in life is what we're talking about. Contraception, the prevention of conception. When man and wife come together in marriage, if undertaken as the norm rather than the exception, which would be for rare and extreme individual medical reasons or something along those lines, I'm not talking about that, but the prevention of what the the man-made prevention of the God-designed conception, if that's taken as the norm, that reveals idolatry, a lack of trust in God above all things. Now marry this with what we read in Ephesians 5, 31 to 32, yes, pun intended. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Yes, dear saints, even the actions taken in the marriage bed are part of the husband-wife witness of Christ and the church. Indeed, it's central to it. Is our conduct guided by faith in God? Well, then there's no law written against us. Nothing nothing to prohibit you from anything. Or, given that we are the sinners that we are, are we making ourselves into idols when we try to wrest from God that which is rightly his? And in this case today, for today's topic, the power over life. That's what we're doing with contraception in a very Huxleyan way. We're accepting these tools, these instruments, these methods as a way of getting God out of our sexual life. And Reverend Stuckwish is right to say, by the, by the same token, and listen to this very carefully, one should not assume that couples with few children or no children have deliberately avoided conception or engaged in birth control. Barrenness and infertility, miscarriage and stillbirths, these are grievous crosses to bear in their own right, often in silence and plagued by feelings of guilt, inadequacy, or shame. The assumptions of our contraceptive culture, can't believe we have that, but we do. So, I mean, I've never known a culture outside of it. Growing up in the 80s, being born early 80s, 1981, all I've ever known is a contraceptive culture. Oh, but I, I can't believe now as a, as a grown man looking at our, at our American history, our Christian culture, how we got to this point, but we, but we have. The assumptions of our contraceptive culture, he writes, do not help but only add to the weight of these burdens. Do you get that? Our embracing of contraception, it actually, as a cultural norm, it actually adds weight to the hurt that our brothers and sisters go through who have miscarriages and stillbirths and and suffer from infertility. Again, it needs to be stated clearly and unequivocally, Stuckwich says. Contraception is not the rule, but the exception. 
it should not be regarded as the norm or the standard. The true norm, the starting point, the baseline and default position where faith and love reside to begin with is that a husband and wife will be open and receptive to children as they go about their normal marital relations. That's the baseline. That perspective and priority has been the church's teaching in opposition to contraception and birth control, even though they weren't using the name contraception before the 60s, for almost the church's entire history. We should not burden consciences, he says, with laws beyond those of faith and love. Amen. But such long-standing tradition calls us to be circumspect and cautious in considering contraception. Because, yeah, it's like it's been around in this mass cultural way for like five minutes. Now, continuing with Dr. Donna Harrison, the term conception is understood by most people to be the moment of fertilization. This is, this is some interesting stuff, guys. The moment when the sperm penetrates the egg, the term conception is used interchangeably with the term fertilization in many biology textbooks, as well as current medical dictionaries. In the 1960s, researchers discovered that giving large amounts of artificial estrogens and, and progestins could interfere with a woman's reproductive system and keep her from having a positive pregnancy test. But some people were concerned about how these artificial hormones actually worked. Could these hormones harm a human life at the beginning? The general public understood that ending an unborn human life is generally called an abortion. Many people were worried that these drugs and devices were, were abortifacient, things that end the life of an unborn human being. Manufacturers recognized that this thinking could interfere with the marketability of the drugs or devices <laughs> and felt a need to reassure the public that contraceptives did not cause abortions. She continues, the solution to the problem of public concern about whether or not contraceptives cause early abortions was developed, get this, in 1965 by the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, which is heavily financed by the contraceptive drug industry. Of course it is. ACOG acknowledged that the term abortion is understood to be the ending of a pregnancy. Everyone knows that pregnancy begins at conception. But ACOG recognized that the term conception had no scientific definition. The scientific definition for the beginning of an organism, including human beings, is fertilization. The moment of sperm-egg fusion. So... <laughs> ACOG decided to legally define the word conception as the, quote, completion of implantation, end quote. Now, Dr. Harrison says, legally speaking, pregnancy begins at conception. But conception is an event that takes place 10 days to two weeks after fertilization. Using the ACOG definition of conception as the beginning of pregnancy, the accusation against contraceptives as abortifacient 
is easily dismissed. Since abortion is defined as the ending of a pregnancy, and since pregnancy does not begin until the completion of implantation, then legally, drugs and devices that kill an embryo before implantation is complete cannot be classified as abortifacients. Voila, problem solved. <laughs> that's not me, that's her. That's what she said, and it's completely accurate. My goodness. Can I tell you something, friends? I mean, can I tell you something personal? Something on the personal level? Let me get real with you right now. I don't think, get this, I don't think there is anything in the Constitution about women, women having the right to access something that didn't exist before the counterculture of the 1960s, sexual revolution. True, I know. Maybe I got a little too personal with you, but I don't think it's there. And because of that, because I don't believe, and this is the personal part, because I don't believe you can find the right to contraception in the Constitution, I'm a monster. I am. I'm a monster. I'd be overjoyed if such a thing as contraception was not only restricted, but completely annihilated from existence. Do you know how much happier our neighbors would be if they weren't trying to play God every time they had sex? And now, now we have politicians trying to terrify people that this constitutional right this ability is going to be taken away from them if conservatives win the day, if those who are more in line with Christianity win the day. As my family often hears me mumble under my breath, we are a dumb people. Do you see how the chemical disturbance of contraception in the name of, of freedom gave birth to the chemical disturbance of cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers of transgenderism? Do you see the link? Do you see that we're dealing with the same thing? The so-called right to contraception was first recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1965. So yes, pre-1960s, please, and thank you. America in reverse is what I want. How do I get on that train? How do I buy a ticket? Many Lutherans today seem to think that Christianity is okay with contraception as the norm, as the standard, as the rule, which of course we then have to completely compartmentalize from abortion so we don't feel icky inside because those two things do actually touch and we don't want them to. But when we read guys like Reverend Theodore Graebner, who we love on this show, Writing in the context of the early 20th century, we begin to pick up bits and pieces of our past and to see that the contraception frog that we are slowly boiled in our ecclesiastical pot. And now, dear saints, now in today's age, we must put up our guard as smooth-talking politicians strive to capitalize on our fecklessness to scare us from getting something, that we're going to have something taken away from us. Ask yourself why it's so important to have access to drugs, devices, and surgeries that prevent the work of God, the formation of life. Is this something that married people want? 
married people are the only ones who should have a need for such instruments, right? Such devices and tools and, and, and drug components, these sorts of things, right? We still agree on that much? That unmarried people shouldn't be having sex at all? Why would they need contraception? They, they don't. This is only a married people's thing. Well, Governor Newsom revealed a lot about the complete godless darkness of today's Democrat Party in this debate. It's rife with idolatry, including the idolatrous worship of self and choice, especially in the realm of sex and the perception that we have of power over life. And we're out of time. <laughs> but since we opened with a bit from uh, Giacomo Casanova, it seems fitting to end with a quote from him that basically sums up the sinfulness of our modern American sensibilities, yeah? He said, and I quote, as for myself, I always willingly acknowledge my own self as the principal cause of every good, <laughs> oh, geez, and every evil which may befall me. Therefore, I have always found myself capable of being my own pupil and ready to love my teacher. Puke. Thank you all for listening to Cross Defense, and especially to Sally and her husband, who are gluttons for punishment, never missing an episode. Sally, I don't think The Chosen has any business being played during the service. One, because I don't think screens have any business being in the sanctuary. And two, because playing it would violate Article 6 of the LCMS's Constitution, which lays out the conditions of acquiring and holding membership in the Synod. That is, assuming... That playing The Chosen isn't for the purpose of renouncing it, which might be acceptable, but still we'd have the screens issued a debate. But point four of Article 6 clearly states membership in the Senate is connected to the exclusive use of doctrinally pure agenda, hymn books, and catechisms in church and school. Playing The Chosen in the divine service, well, if we do that in a way that endorses the program, I see it as grounds for removal from the Synod. So, all right, thanks for the question. I'll talk to you all next week. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.